heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. The Danny Downs special with my guest at this time, Big Rat 310. We'll be back here too for episode three of the final installment of the Danny Downs Primetime series, we think, on November 22nd against the Box Heads Up. But Big Rat, we're back and Danny Downs on primetime and the New York Giants just got an interception off the homes. Yeah, they, they can't stop turning it over. Like every every week, all the pundits keeps like I know Mina Kimes was saying, Oh yeah, their offense is fine. They're, it's a great offense. They just keep turning it over, but that's fluky. And it's like, yeah, but but it happens every week. Every week it happens in the red zone. It's crazy. It's it, we were talking about this off air, and like with this Chiefs team, I feel like it's like you you were saying this. You said that the on the man cast, Patrick was saying he has to learn to be more disciplined, pay more boring. But at the same time, too, I feel like his mind and America and everyone that's like watching is like looking for those sports center moments. Like that's why they ran that grand Lawfrey right there, for example, because they're trying to do that. But then you had an incompletion. Then you just have the wonky interception. Like, and I've said this too. I think if three and five is staring at them, they, and considering who they have coming up, you lose this game. You definitely have to go three and zero to even get back to 500. Yeah, it would, it would, it would basically – they have some tough – like we kind of talked about also off air. They play some – they still have some good teams left on the schedule. They still have some tough games in their own division. And if they lose this, like, miss, yeah, missing the playoffs is very much on the table. Yeah, because even think about it. Like I said, you have the Packers, the Raiders, and the Cowboys, which two of the three are in the 425 window in the Raiders game of Sunday Night Football. So – and that, that's also – that is going to be a great Sunday Night Football game coming up next Sunday from uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun one. And uh, Vegas, I believe, is uh, is favored, uh, but old by less by less than a field goal. So that should be fun to watch. And even last year, too, if you remember, Sunday Night Football in Vegas, the uh, well, for some reason, Paul Gunther ran blitz zero on the Chiefs late in the game, and we learned you don't do that against Patrick Mahomes. So that's that. Yeah, pretty much. And then Jonathan Abram, yeah, had a huge bust in coverage, uh, also on that play at the same time too. But now, now they have they have better coaching and they have a much better pass rush, and like that's their defense is actually yeah it's significantly improved. So that'll be good to watch. Exactly. Well, anyway, uh, let's, uh, ooh, let's see. Okay, Big Rat is ahead of my feed, so if you hear him say something, I don't know what's going on, but I love the whole pause. Because remember the Christmas show last year where Danny was ahead of you and you had a big fantasy yep. matchup? Oh, what the? F- <laughs> <laughs> we called it. You called it a crazy interception. Anything happens when it's the Danny Dimes primetime shows. <laughs> oh, my God. To a linebacker, nonetheless, right in the middle of the field. Oh, that, that, that is excellent. I don't know who number 50 is. I can't see that off the top of my head. That is just... That's Willie Gay, their 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 second round pick, I think last year, last year or this year, I forget. No, that was last year. This said this year was uh, Nick Bolton out of Missouri. That was yeah. great. That was great uh, coverage recognition by Gay there, though. But he read that play perfectly. Wow, what a break for the Chiefs! Yeah, no kidding. Did not be. Did not begin a drive from beyond their own 25. Jesus Christ, it's really bad. But anyway, let's uh, let's dive into it. Let's just you know get this uh, just get this pain over with quickly. Uh, since you're last on, the Dolphins obviously have 
not have the exactly the ideal season. I want just want your perspective on where you think why exactly you think things have gone the way they have. Hey, I will try to not make this uh, another t- classic ten minute discussion like I have in years past. Um, but uh, it's it's a lot. Like b- b- before the season, you guys asked me like, are, "Are you feeling good? Are you feeling good about it?" And it was like right when like the Watson rumors were starting to creep up again. And I remember saying, I mean, I was feeling good. Now, like, I don't really know. I don't know what's going on. Like, it's kind of confusing. But generally, I was feeling good, especially since when Matt got named the starter. I remember telling you guys that I thought that that meant we were going to beat the Patriots. And we did. And not, not, not that Mac played bad or anything like that. Just that I thought Cam Newton with his legs would give us a little more trouble. Kind of like how Josh Allen yesterday was in a slump in the first half. And he... One, the only big play he had in the first half was when he broke off for like a 40-yard run um, because like the Dolphins want to play a lot of man coverage. And when you do that and you don't put a spy on the quarterback, like it leaves a wide open lane for the quarterback to run through. And Cam destroyed us with that week one last year. Allen destroys us with that regularly. Um, so I just thought that that gave us a good advantage against them. But yeah, like I was feeling good after week one. I was feeling great. I was like, yes, a road division win. That's really impressive. That's really hard to do. I don't think the Damian Harris fumble is a good excuse considering my quarterback was trying to throw the ball out of bounds and got hit at the last moment and ended up throwing an interception. And also considering the Dolphins got the ball with like three minutes left on their own three yard line and ran out the clock. Patriots, like if they're as good of a defense as they were against Justin Herbert yesterday, they shut down the Dolphins offense, get the ball back at midfield and kick the game winning field goal anyways. So I was feeling really good. And now it just seems like, it's it's a lot, man. Like this is this has been the most not fun season I've ever had as a Dolphins fan. I really don't even think that's hyperbole. Two two years ago we started one and seven as well, but the expectations were a lot lower. The fact that they got a win in the first place was a surprise. A lot of people thought they'd go on sixteen. So the energy level around that one and seven and this one and seven is just so different because of where we are in the rebuild cycle. You know, there's rumors that the players hate Brian Flores, that they that he's an asshole, that he's too hard on them in practice, that he's hard to communicate with. No one really knows what's going on. And so there is some rumblings that he's lost the locker room, even though the fans loved him. And even though the general media thought he did a great job the first two years, I thought so as well. Um, you know, there is some sometimes sometimes like some you, you people know this in life. Sometimes when you have like a, a boss that like you think is kind of a jerk. It's like sometimes after a certain period of time, you just get sick of it. And I think that's kind of what's going on. It's like, even though some of these people have been here for three years, they're just kind of sick of it. And now he's not winning to back it up anymore. Like Belichick can with his attitude. I think getting rid of the leaders in the off season that they did for football reasons, like getting rid of Kyle Van Noy, getting rid of McCain. Um, I think that has hurt the locker room because I understand the football logic behind why they did both of those things. They wanted to give Andrew Van Ginkle a bigger role in the defense. And they, they drafted uh, Javon Holland in the second round this year, who now is playing uh, Bobby McCain's old deep free safety role. And was doing a very good job at it. And uh, so football wise, it made sense, but you kind of kicked out the two leaders of the defense. And I did notice earlier this earlier when the season started, their three captains are a Landon Roberts, uh, Mac Hollins and Clayton Fajetalum. Those are literally the captains of the Miami Dolphins. Like uh, uh, their seventh string wide receiver, a linebacker who's not very good, and a special teams player. Like their best player, the leadership on this team is not very good. Combine that head coach that's pissing everyone off. And I do think at this point it's kind of mental 
Like, they should have won that Jaguars game. Like, they were clearly winning for most of the first half. They should have been up by three touchdowns going into halftime. And, you know, they blew the game. Flores, in particular, blew it on the way he managed the clock and the defense on the last drive. He 100% blew the game. And uh, I think that after losing that game, it's just kind of, it's just, it seems like it's in their head. It seems like, like they're in a hole and they can't really dig themselves out of it. Like I thought Greg Rosenthal termed it well. They're not ready for their season to get saved yet. And that's kind of what I've seen. And then the Watson stuff won't go away. They don't want it to go away because they don't want to piss him off because they know that he wants to come here more than anywhere else. So even though in their ideal world, they would give two of the full season, they don't want to piss off Watson. They don't want to risk another team getting Watson. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to play to evaluate him, see what he's got. But if he doesn't work out, they want to be able to just move on from him and go to Watson rather than moving on from him and going nowhere. And so they're playing this horrible game where they clearly are. They don't want to close the door on Watson and everybody knows it. But now, like, two is being asked about it in every single press conference. Brian Ford is being asked about it in every single press conference. It's toxic and it's exhausting. As a fan, it's not just that they're losing. It's that we have to deal with this stuff every week, whether it's from Charles Robinson or Ian Rappaport or Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter. Every week there's updates and nothing changes. Nothing changes. It's week, four months of this, four months of these nonstop reports that just won't fucking go away. And it's exhausting to follow. It puts the fan base in a moral quandary. You know, there's certainly some fans that are like, well, innocent until proven guilty. Like he's an elite quarterback. Even if Tua gets better and improves, is he ever going to be as good as Watson is? Like certainly like that's on the table. There's also a lot of fans that are just like, okay, look, he's a sexual predator. Like an, an alleged one that should be borne out in court before we even make a decision on this. And the fact that the Dolphins could very well trade him by tomorrow before this stuff is resolved is scary. The new reporting is that um, Watson could settle all the civil cases, the 22 civil cases. And if he does, then eight of the 10 criminal charges in theory would go away because though I obviously part of the agreement in the settlement would be that they cannot be corroborating witnesses for the criminal charges. So. Like the hope, Watson's hope is that he can settle those cases, make the 22 civil cases go away, make the eight criminal cases go away. However, there are two criminal cases that are not suing him on the side. They're literally just there to file a criminal charge. And so Watson just can't make those go away by tomorrow. I'd be stunned. Like, I don't know how it's even possible. So it's just impossible for tomorrow to come and Watson to have cleared all these issues. So if the Dolphins do it, they're doing it while he still has these issues hanging over his head in some form. And the the report is Watson doesn't want to settle. Watson Watson really wants to clear his name. He really wants to go through the whole court process, drag this out as long as possible. Now the question is, when he finally realizes, hey, if you don't settle, you're not going to play football this year. Because I think this whole time he's been holding out hope. He'd get traded by the trade deadline. He'd start playing in the second half of the season. If he realizes, hey, like there's no other way, then does that cause him to finally settle and move on? Maybe. I do not know. I do not know the answer to that question. But the team is losing. They've embarrassed their quarterback for no reason, even though he's generally played well the last three weeks. Most metrics say that. He's around like the most 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 good and analytics you look at. Adjusted net yards per attempt, PFF grades, uh, EPA per play, CPOE. He's like right next to Mac Jones in every single ranking. They're both like 18 and 19 
flip-flop depending on the ranking, like in every metric. They're both, like, that's where they are right now. And Mac Jones has only started, like, six less games than Tua has, like, because Tua missed the four games with his rib injury. So if you include the Bills game where he got hurt, where he only played, like, half a quarter. So he's he's improved. He's generally playing well. The team is losing. The locker room is falling apart. There's rumors that the coach needs to be fired. There's rumors that the GM needs to be fired. They're embarrassing Tua. And look at this position they're putting the fans in. Either they trade for this guy and raise all those moral questions that I talked about earlier. If you feel comfortable as a fan with this guy as your quarterback. Or if they don't, even if they don't, it's gotten to the point where the damage to the relationship with Tua, I don't think they can ever undo. Like, it was so public. It was just so understood by everyone that they were trying to get Watson that it becomes a situation where, well, now you could lose Tua and not get Deshaun Watson. Now that's on the table. Because if you don't trade for him tomorrow, the offseason comes, his charges get cleared, and the Philadelphia Eagles, like, beat your offer, or the Carolina Panthers beat your offer, now what are you left with? You're left with Tua, but, like, you made it very clear to everyone known to man that you were trying to replace him. like. And my team does not have their first round pick. So you're just, I think it's a toxic mess that is a combination of factors of the trade rumors, of Brian Flores losing the locker room, of a bad roster that they're, don't get me wrong, they're playing worse than their talent level. They should not be this bad. Like, and I see it. I see it watching them every week. It just, like, whether it be the Jaguars game when the Jags had the ball on the last drive of the game, the Falcons, you have a one-point lead and the Falcons had the ball, or the Bills game even on Sunday, like, the, the Dolphins offense finally scores. You make it a six-point game. Bills have the ball with, like, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Get one stop. Give the ball back to the offense. You could go and steal the game. Like, they're crumbling in these moments. It's like they're so afraid. They're they're so they're scared of their own shadow. They're They're spiraling. There's no other way to say it. Like, it's... It's like when you lose like seven bets in a row in gambling or in Vegas and like you're just on tilt and like you just want to win again so badly and you start pressing and you start making mistakes and they're very much in their heads. I think it is possible once this trade deadline clears, maybe maybe Tua plays a little freer, maybe some guys in the offense that like Tua play a little freer, maybe things start to get better. Say which one about Flores, a hallmark of him over the last three years is that his team has gotten better as the year has gone along. Now, <laughs> he shouldn't get too much credit for that, given how horrible the start was this year. But um, it's, it's, it's a mental complication of factors that I hope improves. And like the defense being as bad as it is, is just so confusing because like everyone said, oh, they're going to regress in turnovers. They really haven't regressed that much. They're 12th in the league in turnovers. Yes, they were first last year but they're still in the top 12. They're, they get turnovers every week. They did it against the Bills and they didn't against the Bucks. but they got turnovers in every other game, against Atlanta, against the Jaguars, against the Raiders, against the Colts. They get turnovers every week still. So that argument that Danny and other people were saying that, oh, they're going to stop getting turnovers, now it's going to suck. No, 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 no. They had a slight regression, but the fact that their pass defense has just not improved at all and it's gotten worse is confusing, and I don't really know why. And hopefully things get better. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's my long way of saying, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's tough to be a Finns fan right now. There's no doubt about it. The, the, the one point I want to make, too, is how everyone says, like, oh, should have gone for Herbert. We have this conversation every year. Like, I even pointed out to you, and uh, I think it was a DM, because there was a whole thing about, like, that. And I said, in 2019, Herbert was supposed to come out. And if you remember, 
Herbert would have gone number one overall that year. He was the best quarterback. He decided to go back his junior year. So Kyler comes in. But what if the Cardinals go with Herbert? Herbert comes out in 2019. And then, say, the Giants end up with Kyler Murray. Just hypotheticals based on who needed quarterbacks. Yep. And then the whole time, too, if Kyler, say, in New York isn't exactly doing well, because obviously, no offense, but Pat Shermer and Jason Garrett aren't exactly Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. And Herbert with Kingsbury is playing great. And then it's the old competition of, oh, you, why did the Giants do this over this? Like, it's just, this will happen every year, no matter the sport. Like, you're going to see it now. And this might sound a little biased, but I feel like Mac has been the best quarterback to come out of the first round so far for 21. So far, yeah. Now, to, to be fair, yeah. he, he was also the one that profiled as someone who would be, like, the most, like, day one ready of all of them. But, yes, he has. He has. He has been the best so far. So now people are going to make this argument, say it's like San Francisco, where it's like, oh, why did you use all those picks and you yeah. could have got Mac Jones? Instead, you went for Trey Lance, who right now, obviously, he's hurt, but then he also, too, hasn't got exactly his opportunity. Plus, Jimmy looks really good for San Francisco. So that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I like, I understand the argument people use it just to, like, piss other people off. But at the same time, too, you have to look at it from a realistic standpoint of, look, owners are going to make their mistakes, GMs, coaches, name it what you want. It just is what it is. Um, my whole thing on Flores, because while you were going in your rant, I was looking at your schedule coming up. If you guys, I think, can salvage the season and go on a little bit of a run here, because you still have to play the Jets twice, even though they won. Excuse me, they won yesterday. They're still unpredictable. They play the Texans the, this week. The yeah. Texans, the Panthers, who I think are, I'll have to talk about that. I don't want to be too, too mean, because I feel like Carmel will come back to bite me if I am. And you also have the Giants, who the Giants, another unpredictable team. You don't know what you're going to get week to week. So I feel like if you guys can salvage the season and manage to get to say, it's going to sound bad, but six and six and ten, or even seven, uh, six and eleven, or seven and ten. Sorry, uh, seventeen. Uh, new seventeen game rule had the got one out yeah. my brain for a second. I feel like Flores can save his job, but if there's like games like the Texans or the Giants, or if you don't sweep the Jets, then I feel like the calls for his head are going to start to get bigger and bigger and bigger in South Beach. Yeah, I think especially like uh, not, not to not to scare you with this scenario, but if it is week eighteen and if the and the Patriots need to win in Miami to make the wild card, and the Dolphins beat them again to end their season like they've done in years past, well, end their season in years past, meaning depriving them of the bye week this Last year. Two years. Yeah, th- this year it could actually be like taking you out of the playoffs. Yes, I, I could totally see him saving it in that way. Um, I mean, he was a we, we talk about this all the time on the show. Like, I don't think people all of a sudden just become a terrible coach. Like, how can he how can he be so good for two years and now the team is in total disarray? Like, I, I'm going to give him the chance. But just kind of reading, like, you know, reading some of the stuff behind the scenes and all this stuff, it's like the locker room is going to have to accept him because if he keeps pissing off the locker room and they just keep losing and losing and losing and losing and losing – it's gonna be it's gonna be a sad turnaround going from like one of the best young coaches in the league to fired within a year. But like if you're an asshole to your players, I mean this is what happens. So yeah, I agree with you. I think he can salvage it. It is on the table. I mean, obviously, if the, if this stupid fucking team trades for Deshaun Watson and starts him for seven games, then yeah, then there's a decent chance they'll get to seven and eleven. Um, but uh, so we'll see how he does after the trade deadline. If they lose this Sunday to Houston at home, the game's in Miami. I think things could get real ugly. Oh, 100%. Um, I just wanted to sh- just shift gears here because honestly, I just had to get your opinion on that because obviously the last time you were on was the day- first game, it was a primetime game. 
And then, yep. folks, like I said in the intro, we'll be back here in three weeks for the third installment of the Danny Dimes Primetime Series. Hopefully next year we get Giants Colts. Um, my th- next thing I want to make, obviously today there was the big news of Derrick Henry going down, but then Vaughn Miller gets traded to the Denver Bron- no, from the Denver Broncos to the L.A. Rams. They're basically building all the Infinity Stones of Thanos on defense there in L.A. in what truly is now a go-broke-or-go-home kind of year. Yeah, uh, we talked about it before the show. The conference title game at worst, Super Bowl most likely, is what they would need to feel satisfied. They can't lose in the divisional round again. And it's a shame because there's a lot of really good teams in the NFC. Like, think about one of, no, two of, two of the Rams, Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, and uh, Cowboys. Three of those teams are not going to make the NFC title game, which is crazy. Because, like, they all look like they're that caliber right now. So, yeah, the Rams are going to play one of those teams in the divisional round. They might even play the Bucks or the Cowboys or the Packers in the divisional round. And the expectation is they're gonna, they got to win. And the Cowboys need to get back to the conference title game for the first time since 95. The Bucks are trying to repeat. The Packers are in the last dance with Aaron Rodgers. There's a, there's a lot at stake for all four of those teams. And then there's just the Arizona Cardinals. They're chilling. Like, obviously – AJ Green had his little boo boo, if you will, mess up on. <laughs> which I don't blame that on him. Look, it was, uh, it was. Look, it was just a miscommunication. Like you can't. Well, obviously, everyone was jokingly saying "senior moment" or like "what are you doing?" But I think that that was just mis- mistakes happen. But then at the same time, too, game winning interceptions in Glendale have a special place in my heart. Um, the next point I'm going to make too is there's another team I got to say we have to watch for after yesterday and. I'm still saying it. I even tweeted this yesterday. I think it's time we have to start considering the Saints, even though without Jameis. With Sean Payton, I feel like they could be a team that can make some noise in the NFC. I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think they're going to be a very tough team to play. I agree with you. And I I noticed I I was reading some recaps of yesterday's game, and there was a lot of people saying, oh, it's an incredible win, but now Jameis is out for the year, so the season's over. I don't agree. I think that the defense is elite elite. The defense is like top three in football right now. It's that good. And uh, Sean Payton is the kind of guy that can maybe do a little bit of, you know, 2013, 2014 Chip Kelly, where whether it's with Nick Foles or Mac Barkley or Mark Sanchez, like the offense is still like pretty good. And uh, we kind of saw glimpses of that with Trevor Simeon. He made some mistakes. I'm not saying it's sustainable to win, to keep winning with Trevor Simeon, but I think a combination of Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, and if they do bring in a Cam Newton or someone else, we'll see. We don't know yet. I think I think the defense is good enough and the offense is well-coached enough. They also have a great offensive line, and that's usually these teams that have like these elite defenses, and we usually try to say in the offseason, yeah, the defense is going to be elite. We'll see if the offense could just be okay, like they could still make the playoffs. Usually those teams don't have great offensive lines, and this team has a fantastic offensive line, one of the best in football, one that outplayed the Bucks' defensive line yesterday. Even though the running game still wasn't elite because it's never going to be against the Bucks. the pass protection just held up really well. So I think uh, I, I agree with you. And also, last thing, the last point on this is, you know, if you look at the wild card race for the NFC, like all those teams are flawed. The 49ers, the Seahawks, the Vikings, the, the Panthers, you know, all those teams are flawed. Like you got people who want, who think Mike Zimmer is going to be fired this year. Jimmy G might lose the starting job in San Francisco. The Seahawks are only three and five and had a bad defense, although it's played better the last two weeks. You know, the, the Panthers have Sam Darnold, who no one trusts, even though their defense is elite. Like, why can't the Saints 
beat the Panthers to get to the playoffs because they're both doing the same thing. They're both trying to win with an elite defense and a limited offense. I think the Saints offense can be better than the Panthers offense. I don't think that's impossible. So, yeah, I'm on your side on that. Yeah, and also my thing, too, is like you said, all those teams are flawed there. And, like, I'm going to quickly shoot to San Francisco because I feel like that's a team where you never hear of, oh, hey, Shanahan and Lynch in the hot seat because – if you look at their records, minus that year they went to the Super Bowl, they've had losing seasons every single season that they've been there. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure on them to win. But, like, out of all those teams you just said, um, New Orleans is the best one by far. Even to Minnesota, I say this. I say Mike Zimmer should be fired mainly because, oh, what a catch by – Yeah, that's a hell of a catch. Holy John shit, Ross. John Ross. John Ross. Um, yeah, with the P.I. Yeah, yeah I know. I was as soon as he's come down, I'm like, he's getting flagged. But, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, even yesterday I said, I'm like, Mike Zimmer was basically blaming, like, oh, poor play. And then his, like, his clock management was shit in that fourth quarter last night. They used all his time up so quickly. I feel like for the Vikings, it's – the Vikings, honestly, it's a, it's a you got to win this year or, or make the playoffs or you're gone for Zimmer. Because Zimmer's been there for so long, too, where it's been a lot of mediocre football. Yeah, he has been. And they – yeah, I, I think I think I will say with certainty – the Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins combination, that is not coming back. Whether it is that they trade Kirk or they fire Zimmer or both, I just don't think you can do that again when it's been proven year after year that it's not good enough. I mean, he mismanaged the clock and also he called two timeouts in a row and didn't realize it and got penalized for it. On that on that third down play that Zeke made, it went from third and 16 to third and 11 because he called timeouts back to back. Like, those five yards matter because Zeke barely got the first down as is. So if he doesn't make that mistake, maybe you stop them and you go to overtime. And maybe you win the game. So, yeah, I fully agree with you. Exactly. Because even the other thing, too, is they've also been a revolving door of offensive coordinators. So, like, Mike Zimmer's entire tenure there where they've lost guys head coaching jobs like Pat Shermer, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak was there. But then, obviously, he retired. So now it's his son, actually, Clint Kubiak. Um, Which finally – they had John Filippo a few years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Just to uh, prove the points even further. So, like, Minnesota needs something stable there. And also, I just hate it how one year Justin Jefferson's great, and then I didn't have him in fantasy, and I had Adam Thielen, who was okay. Now it's the opposite, and Adam Thielen seems to be, like, the main go-to guy in Minnesota. Yeah, it's it, – it's it, it, Justin Jefferson, I still think, is one of the best receivers in football. It's just – it's their, their offense, like, is so inconsistent. Like, they're, they're kind of seen as this, like, high-scoring offense, which is kind of what they were last year, but they're really not. Like, they're, they're, they're in and out. They'll have games where they'll drop 30, and they'll have games where they can't hit 20. Like, they're just so up and down. It's, it's a reflection of running an offense with Kirk Cousins, having a bad offensive line, and having all the turnover that you talked about. So, yeah, I, I don't want to see Jefferson's career go to waste because he's a really, really good talent, and I think they need to – they need to do better for him soon. No, exactly. That, like, that's what, like, I, even, I think I even said this off air. It's open season completely, like, not just in the NFC, but in the AFC, too. It's just I feel like if I had to pick a winner right now, I'd probably go AFC, AFC because the NFC is just going to kill each other. Just, like, look at all the teams that you have to truly go through just to get to the conference championship game. Like, like we said before, there's the Cowboys, there's the Rams, there's the Buccaneers, there's the Packers, there's the Cardinals. That's five teams right there. Yeah, it's a... It's a significant, it's a significant, significant commitment um, that you'd have to put on all those individuals. And uh, like your attrition matters, like you know, well, it matters a lot more in the NBA, but it does matter in the NFL too. Like uh, I remember the uh, like the the 2015 Broncos, you know, like they 
the NFC is what everyone, like everyone thought the 2015 Cardinals, or the 2015 Panthers or the Packers that year would be the Super Bowl team. And the AFC really only had the Broncos and the Patriots as the serious teams. And, uh, you know, that buildup of just playing tough game after tough game after tough game week after week after week can add up. So, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. It's I'm going to give myself a little more time because I don't spot a clear contender. If I had to guess, I would guess Bill's. Rams are, in my opinion, the most complete teams in that they both have top 10 offenses and top 10 defenses. But that is a very, very, very early, early, early call. A lot, a lot can change. Oh, 100%. And also one thing I'm going to say, too, is Thanksgiving night, th- actually Thanksgiving day. So we have a crappy game at 1230 with the Lions and the Bears. But the 430 and the 815 game, we have the Raiders and the Cowboys and the Saints and the Bills. Two games I expect to be fantastic. So for my American listeners and Big Rat, Get your turkey and fill up because it's going to be a good day of football after the first game. And and in my opinion, the best day of DFS of the entire year because you can do one DFS lineup for those three games. So it's not it's not as random as doing it for one game, but it's not like it's for 12 games and you have to do too much research. It's like the sweet spot where you can research each game pretty thoroughly. And listeners, it is so much fun. Two years ago, to show how much of a degenerate I am, I played Jesper Horstead, tight end for the Bears. And he caught a touchdown pass from, from Mitch Trubisky against the Lions. It was his only catch the whole game. He had one catch for a touchdown. But I was so happy because he was so cheap. And I did so much research to play Jesper Horstead that it, it was a very euphoric feeling on my Thanksgiving. So y'all will love it. It's really worth the wait. You know what? I mean, I, I was going to do, obviously, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if you follow me, if I have you on Instagram or if you have Instagram. But I've been posting weekly betting stuff. And I feel like I got to do one on Thanksgiving where I pick the three teams and hopefully I come out on top. Cause yesterday I would have, I almost did well, but for some reason my dumbass decided to take the lions money line thinking, you know what, this is their time. They're going to get to win. I thought, I, no. I thought so too. I, yeah. I took, I took, I took lions plus three and a half. So uh, my, I, I felt the same effect. I, I think I've realized that now with the lions, when they're playing a really, when they're playing like a pretty good team, they're going to fight more than people expect. But when they play a bad team that people think they can beat, that's when they're going to disappoint. That is my conclusion. It's 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 like the Jets last year. Remember how you were so on the Jets yep. beating the Cleveland Browns and like yep. no one wanted to believe you and Danny thought, oh, ha, ha, you're funny. And then they won. The, the Lions are going to win a game against a team that no one expects them to yes. win. Yes, they're going to be like nine-point underdogs like on the road. Like they should have beaten Baltimore. They should have beaten the Vikings. They played the Rams tougher than – they played the Rams tougher than the Bucks did. Like they're gonna they're gonna win some stupid game out of nowhere. And we're all gonna be like, what? It's gonna kill some survivor teams too, which I love. Yeah, the Bengals did that yesterday. We'll get that in a minute. They have the Steelers after their bye week. Then they have the Browns. Then they have the Bears, the Vikings, the Broncos, the Cardinals, and the Falcons. I could see that Steelers or Browns game because oh, we'll talk about both those teams. One of those games potentially, Isaac, because no one's gonna see it because they're gonna say after the bye week, it's oh, don't buy into the Lions, don't do this or that. And oh, look at that. Minus Giants plus ten and a half. Let's go. In a great spot. Yeah, I didn't realize who they were on fourth. Oh, was that Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, I, I played him in, in a showdown, so I am like fucking ecstatic right now. I played um, him and Tyreek, who got the other touchdown. So love, love to love to see it. But no, like that's my point. I think it's the Lions are gonna win a game that like no one expects them to win. Or even watch, they're gonna beat the Bears on Thanksgiving. Uh yeah, that would not surprise me at all. Uh, yeah. that, that, that would be very, very, very fitting. And the game will be in Detroit too. Yeah, I could, I could see it, but yeah, they're, 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 they're a frustrating team to bet on because they cover against all these good teams and then they get their asses kicked 
like by by teams that aren't very good. Like remember, people thought they would beat the Bears on the road a few weeks back. Their first in their first match, people yeah. thought that the before people realized how good the Bengals were, they thought they could beat the Bengals at home like two weeks ago. Lost twenty seven zero, and then the Eagles, <laughs> another example. Like it's crazy. Which that it just is what it is with that. That was just that was insane to me even too. Um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna take a second. I, I, there's another game I gotta talk about. I gotta talk about my boys getting a much needed road victory over the LA Chargers. The Patriots take the Chargers down 27 to 24 in what wasn't the most perfect football game, but the clock management at the end after the pick six from Bill Belichick was incredible. Yeah, he's like that's why like like we've we've talked about it before. I don't want I don't want to give it too much attention, but like this notion that like he is not like one of the greatest coaches of all time, if not, in my opinion, the greatest coach of all time, just because he had Brady. Like, like, don't pay attention to their 7-9 and nine record last year. He maximizes these rosters, and everyone is so well coached on what to do with situational football, and that was another fantastic example of it. And they're, they're a good team, man. They're a good team. I think the Dolphins can beat them, um, but, like, uh, well, we did beat them, of course, but uh, they're, they're, they're a good team, and I, I, think they're, I think they have good odds to – make the playoffs because much like the NFC, the wildcard teams all are flawed in some way, shape or form. So, and now you have the, you have the tiebreaker over the chargers, which is huge, huge. Cause that might, you very well might need it. Oh, a hundred percent. That's, that's even the other thing too. I was going to say, cause they're showing the Titans film. The Titans now hold tiebreakers over the, both the bills and the chiefs. Yep. And they and have I the best record. And I only say that too, because obviously the chiefs are a team that look for all we know, they're going to go on a run and finish the season. 13 and 4. For all we know, that could happen. Will it? I don't I doubt it. But with the Patriots, though, I feel like, look, the first few weeks were a little rough. Ever like even and I look at it, the only loss where I take it as, you know what, that sucked was the Saints loss. Because like you guys, it was just an unfortunate fumble. We played the Packers a hell of a lot better. No, the Packers, the Buccaneers a lot better than I thought we would. Uh the Texans was sloppy, but hey, come back to Houston or a thing I know. And then the Cowboys game was just oh, almost fixed. Oh, so is that Brian? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Very. Oh, oh man. God. And um, and then even to the Cowboy game was just, oh, that was so I – was, I was more pissed off about losing the Cowboy game, to be honest with you, than the Buccaneer game. I was just glad to be covered against the Buccaneers. Uh, you're, wait, would you say that the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers? No, I'm more – I was with the Cowboys and the Patriots with, and the Bucks and the Patriots with the yeah. – I was pissed that we lost the Bucks game because I thought we had a chance to win that and our defense let us down and also – that's a game where I truly understood how good C.D. Lamb is. Yep. Oh, yo, yeah, that guy. I have I have him in every like I have him in like five out of my six fantasy leagues this year. I I drafted him everywhere. I I'm in love with him. He's he's a boss. He's so good. And because that's the thing I'll say too. Uh, so ba- uh, before I make my point with C.D. Lamb, because like I was mad we lost that game with the Cowboys with the Buccaneers game. I was like, you know what? It sucks. We lost, but at the same time too. It wasn't this like forty point flaw that everyone was expecting to have happen. And when you do that, you can just pat yourself on the back and go on to the next one. The only other point I'll make about the Patriots quickly is: look, we have we have four games in uh, November. Obviously, our buys are the same week in uh, December. We play the Panthers, the Browns, the Falcons, and the oh my Dante Pettis is a fucking moron. Yep. Oh my um, god! Thank God I didn't have to play him. I he was I because I have Sterling Shepard in my in my home league and uh, I. Wasn't sure if he was going to play, so I picked up Dante Pettis as my backup, and I'm very, very happy that I was able to just play Sterling Shepard. That was almost as bad as what Ron uh, as Rondell Moore on Thursday night. Yeah, that, um, was like, that one was ugly. Yeah, but um, no, my only point was that the four teams that we play in November, 
if we can, so we're four and four right now. If we can get to either seven and five or six and six, because I doubt we'll be at eight and four. Um, if we can get to one of those records going into December, that Buffalo Bills game week week thirteen, yep. I think we're making the playoffs. If we're at, like I said, six and six or seven and five. Yeah, and you have you have the you have that Bills thing where you play them like twice in three weeks, and yeah. I just I just have a hard time seeing you not getting one of those games when you play them twice in three weeks. Like I just I just get the sense that like when you play them that close together, like the familiarity, how well coached the Patriots are, like it just seems like usually in this spot, like it's a split, and I think uh, like. What I mean is a split when it's two out of three weeks. Usually that's a split, almost always. And no, I, uh, I, I would I, I would think there could be. And if you beat the Bills once, I'd book your ticket to January. Because if you could beat the Bills once, then I think you're you're looking pretty good. For as much as I would love to win at home, I look, when we go to Orchard Park, it's Monday night football, prime yep. time. Yep. I would love nothing more as a Patriots fan to go into Ralph Wilson Stadium or whatever it's called now and get the win. Because oh, just beat them in their house on prime time. Because you know it's going to be a full house in Bills. Because Bills Mafia always has like that's again they always circle on their calendar. Because I, I I know people call me a, like a homer or whatever for saying this. I still think they have a little brother mentality towards us until they win a championship. I mean they 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 would probably think so too. Like they they like they would feel a little. Ins- I mean look look at the Browns and the Steelers. Like I was listening to Mark Sessler on from the NFL Network, who's a huge Browns fan. And he said that, like, the Steelers beating them, like, yesterday kind of undid some of the progress they they got by beating them in the playoffs last year because it was supposed to represent a changing of the guard, a new era. The Browns are going to be the one contending for the AFC title, not the Steelers. And the Steelers kind of just undid all that, like, in one game. So, yeah, like, th- things can change really, really quickly. Like, rivalries don't really unseat until you can sustain the excellence, sustain the dominance for more than just one season. So it's, yeah, exactly. And also to that, uh, just going back to what you said earlier about the uh, Dolphins winning Week 18. Look, I just, it's a, oh, I think Doc Peter has hand on that play. So I'll take my stuff of the round with a grain of salt. Um, and look, I, look, by all means, like, like the the, I mean, the Patriots are almost certainly going to be favored in that game. Like, I'm well aware of that. I just, this is. Look, Griff, I, I, my, my Dolphins fandom is in a bad place right now. I, I, I might have a sexual predator as my quarterback by tomorrow. I might lose my franchise quarterback now. I might lose the whole locker room, lose my GM, lose my head coach, and do not have my own first-round pick. All I have left is what I've had for most of the last 10 years, beating the Patriots the last week of the season and hurting I got left. It's all good. It's all good, my dude. It's all good. I'm just looking ahead to next week. There are some spreads that are like, like you guys are a seven point favorite. The Colts, yep. the, this this one, like I want to take the Jets. The Jets, the Colts are a ten and a half point favorite over the Jets. Uh, yeah, and I think you know, I think there's uh there's a you know there's so, there's a reaction like to the Mike. Like, hey, I mean, he played awesome. Like that was great. Like that was fun to see. We'll see if they can sustain it. A betting podcast that I listened to actually did predict. They, they had Jets plus 10 and a half as their best bet of the week. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you, who, who's really angling to take the Jets with Mike White? And he made the argument that he doesn't think it's possible for Mike White to be worse than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was turning it over way too often. He doesn't he, – he thought, if nothing else, it was equal. And for that reason alone, plus 10 and a half was great value. And then they won outright. So we'll see how long he could sustain it. 
Uh, I, I told Danny on Twitter, and this is to all you Jets fans listening, like, as a Dolphins fan, I had to deal with Matt Moore and Ryan Tannehill. I had to deal with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua. I can promise you that if Mike White keeps playing well, fans, the fan base is not going to forget about that when Zach Wilson is back in the starting lineup. That will be held against Zach Wilson forever until Zach Wilson can prove that he's like a consistent good quarterback because that's that's how fans react to backup quarterbacks. And I've done a lot of it over the last few years. I saw you guys exchange on Twitter today, and I got to say, I'm with you. I like the fact that Robert Sala just said that he didn't name a starter. It's also to the point of that I'm like, yeah, no shit. They're playing on Thursday. It's not like this game is Sunday afternoon. This is a Thursday nighter, which I also looked at the thir- this, this prime, the prime time Thursday night and Monday night. Oh, ew, good Lord. It's the Steelers and the Bears next Monday night, for those of you wondering. Oh, God. Yuck. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh. Yeah. It's the Steelers and the Bears next Monday this, night. Which, so, so, Sunday night is good, but still. Yeah. Rams and Titans. Which, that'll be a good game, but Monday night, Jesus Christ. So, it, like, as soon as I saw this, Steelers, Bears, I'm just like, there's been a few, handful of games. This, there's only been one other primetime game this year where I was just like, I have no desire to watch it. And that was Steelers-Seahawks, but that was obviously because of Russ's injury. And I was a big advocate for moving one of Browns and Cardinals or Chargers-Ravens into that slot. But I didn't know this this year because of the extra week. The NFL can only flex two games until week 11. And yeah, then after week eleven, it's open season. You would think you would think that they would try to change this moving forward, uh, just because more flexibility is always better. But I guess we'll see. We'll see how they handle it. But that, that's how they should be, at least in my opinion. Exactly, exactly. But that, that, like, as soon as I saw that for this month, like even too, we have one coming up at the end of the month on Monday Night Football. Those the Seahawks and the football team. Uh, yeah, the, I, I think Heineke is fun to watch, um, but like. He's he's just a little bit of uh, he's just a little bit chaotic. So maybe that game will be fun. Here's a crazy stat for you: the Washington Football Team. They were three point underdogs against the Broncos yesterday. They punted once. They punted once, and they lost by seven. Like, and this happened against the Packers too. They were in the red zone five times, and they scored zero points. It's a crazy stat. They've been in the red zone like ten times the last two games. They have one touchdown, one field goal. Three blocked field goals and three and like four turnover on downs. It's ridiculous. Do, do you want <laughs> to know something score. though? What's up? Do you want to know the last time the football team beat the Packers in Lambo was? Uh huh. Was it? It wasn't 2016. No. When the Packers were on that losing streak and they lost to the Titans. Okay, then uh, I'm not sure. 1988. Wow. Really. Yeah, I saw it on TikTok, believe it or not. Like, I saw Packers fans just posted saying, like, football team hasn't, like, won and watched in Green Bay since, or at Lambeau since 88, which I was just like, Jesus Christ, that's impressive. Wow, that's a long streak, damn. Never mind. Yeah. I know, over the heads. But um, oh. the one thing I was going to ask you, too, though, I just wanted to get your opinion on, because obviously we were talking earlier about, like, Flores in the hot seat. There's a couple of – there's a handful – not a handful. There's two coaches this year who I thought their seats were really hot at the beginning of the year, but their seats have cooled down significantly. And that is Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor. Yes. And uh, I will say on Cliff, as someone who's been critical of Cliff on this show in years past, uh, no doubt he deserves credit. I oh, think he's got a broken hand. Oh, boy. Sorry, I saw the replay. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I can see what you're pointing at. Uh, I, but, uh, yes, on the, on the Cliff thing, like, he's no doubt uh, played, uh, done, be- done a better job. I think Vance Joseph deserves a lot of credit. Like, that defense is really, really, really good. And they're not really seen as, like, one of the league. But they're top ten in, in most metrics. Like, the defense has played really well. 
So they deserve some credit too. Um, I think Cliff, Cliff needs to sustain it though. And I think you would agree. Like he yeah. needs to, because one thing I saw someone, someone posted this on Reddit the other day, like Cliff Kingsbury, like even going back to Texas tech, he's like terrible down the stretch of a season. Like, and we kind of, you kind of saw this with the Cardinals a little bit last year when they went, went on that losing streak late in the year. Granted, Kyler hurt his shoulder, so maybe you can blame it all on that. That's fine. But I look if you look at the Cardinals' schedule right now, so they already lost once, right? Seven and one. They played yeah. the Niners. They played the Niners this week, and Kyler might not play. Okay, so that raises cause for concern. In two weeks, they play the Seahawks, who will be getting Russell Wilson back for that game most likely, and I believe the game's in Seattle. Yes, so that's week eleven possible. is in Seattle. Week eighteen, they play in in Glendale. So. Would it surprise you? And like, and in between the Niners and the Seahawks game is the Panthers, and the game's in Carolina. Now, I think no, the game's in Arizona. Team. Oh, it's in Arizona. Never mind. So I think they're a better team than the Panthers, and I think they should beat the Panthers. But the Panthers did destroy the Saints earlier in the season. Shaq. So I made a good point yesterday, like why they were probably undervalued in the betting market. Uh, Shaq Thompson came back yesterday, and he had missed like three games. He changes that defense completely. Like he's he is taken the leap and he's become their best player this year. And those three weeks that he was out was when they were on that losing streak. And now he's back. So I'm just saying if the Cardinals lose to the Niners this week without Kyler and to the Seahawks in two weeks, even if they beat Carolina, well, now you're eight and three and it's still great. It's still an improvement, no doubt about it. But if you start getting more losses, if, if he starts out seven and zero and somehow finishes the year, like 10 and seven or something like that, and they miss the playoffs, uh, that could be a problem. I'll say that. But yes, I, I, I'm not going to focus on the negatives. Like the team is seven and one. They've played really well. It hasn't felt fake. It hasn't felt fraudulent. Like they've, they've handled some teams that they've played. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. No, no doubt about it. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, like I, like this year, I think it's all been the Cardinals. I think they both have the under everyone from ownership, Michael Bidwell down, understand, look, they have to have to make the playoffs this year. Otherwise it's yes. going to fail season. Yes. Um, even, even, even if it's like, even if they're a 10 win non playoff team, I think any non playoff season he might be gone. Um, exactly. But, well, you started seven and zero, so like you're 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 in a good spot. Right now you are. So like you said, you just have to finish it off because even I'm looking at their schedule. They have a Monday night game, December 13th against the Rams. That's going to be a huge one. They have Christmas night against the Colts. Which Christmas Day you have Packers, Browns, Colts, Cardinals. Those are two really good games going up against. I know NBA Christmas Day. But you have two really good NFL games on Christmas. Like, even last year's two Saints Vikings, obviously, is the one. Camaro won a lot of people at leagues. And, and so I don't know if I've ever told the story in this podcast. I won my fantasy league that week against Alvin Kamara in one of my leagues. Yeah. The, great, the greatest upset of all time. I, I, I was down 56 points going into the Sunday slate. And me and my friends, we still won. So, let that be Holy a lesson. I had, I had Brady, I had, we had Brady that game that he played the Lions. And he had oh. like five, he had like five touchdowns before halftime. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. We had Brady and Rogers who both like combined for ten touchdowns. Another pick. Oh, wow! This time you were ahead of me because I had my head turned. Yeah, I think I was looking, or they're calling it. No, 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 it's incomplete. You'll see it on the replay. Incomplete. Oh, okay. Oh, but still though, look, hey, they're covering. They're covering. That's all I care yeah. about. They're, and and I believe that was, either that was on third. No, not now. It's third down. So. Still in a good spot. Yeah, it was incomplete. Oh, but yeah, Christmas football, a fun time. Obviously, everyone, you know, spend time with your loved ones. Obviously, no doubt about that. But, you know, we bond with our loved ones over Thanksgiving. It's no different to do that over Christmas as well. So, Exactly. And then the other matchup, too, is week 17. 
with Colts, not Colts, um, Cardinals and Cowboys, which right now is at one o'clock. But the Sunday nighter at the moment is Vikings and Packers. If I'm NBC, you have to get away to get that car, that Cowboy uh, Cowboy Cardinal game of the Sunday night football. Yeah, you can you can kind of see the path. You can kind of see the path for um, the Cardinals are going to be tested here because they obviously every game in their division is hard, every single one. And so they have four division games left. They have the Cowboys. They have the Colts. So yeah, like they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to beat some of these good teams, which they've done. I'm, I'm not implying that they're frauds and they haven't done that yet. They have. They destroyed the Rams, who I just said would make the Super Bowl a few minutes ago. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna be. T- if it, we'll say this: if they make the playoffs, they will have earned it. They will not have snuck in like the Bears did last year. Like they will have 100 like proven themselves to be good enough to be playoff worthy. Yeah, and the more I also do, I'm just gonna jump to the Bears because uh, in a second actually, but. When I look on the reverse of whose seats are really hot or I think is gone at the end of the year, I you have to put Vic Fangio. I was calling for that last year at this time, saying he should have been fired. I think they just need an old school – not an old school guy. That's what Vic, Vic is. Vic is in his 60s. You have to get a younger guy, offensive-minded head coach in there to help run that offense. Because obviously the defense is great, but Denver, I feel like they want to rebuild, but they don't. And then with Chicago, look, I think – for as good as Justin Fields has looked at times, I, I think Nagy's got to go. I, I think, look, they just because their good has been good, but their bad has been really bad. And I, I, I on the Broncos, I should say, I don't want to admit defeat just yet because they are 4-4 four and four and it is still a long season ahead of us. But I do remember me, you, and Phil did the show, and I had the Broncos as my, like, surprise team to make the wild card. And you guys had the Raiders. And... Obviously, I mean, right now, the, the Raiders call is looking pretty, pretty good. I don't think you expected John Gruden to get fired midway through as oh, part God, of your no. prediction. But, yeah, like, I, it's still a long season, but I will admit uh, Fangio, Fangio has been a little disappointing. And the, the defense, like, the talent is so the, – the, the defensive roster is so good, and yet they have these games, like, against the Raiders a few weeks back where they just get destroyed and embarrassed. So – yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. But I, I do agree with you. He's got to go. Nagy would as well. Hell, I mean, we probably would have fired both of those guys last year. Like, so I think Nagy got the benefit of the doubt because even Mike Florio kept making this case where he went twelve and four and then he went eight and eight in two seasons. So Nagy's never had a losing season. As oh, yeah, they didn't punch in. But I'm looking at the Broncos' schedule. They have the Cowboys this Sunday, which probably chalk it up as a loss. Then they have the Eagles. Then they're bye week. Holy crap, the Raptors are killing the next. Love to see it. Um, and then the they still have to play the Chargers twice. They still have to play the Chiefs twice. They have the Bengals, and then they still have the Raiders. The only cupcake in there really is the Lions week uh, week 14. So, and also I said this to the Broncos after they went 3-0. Month of October to impress me, they went 1-4, and and they're 4-4. Four four. So that's why I'm kind of writing them off. Yeah, you can't. It's hard. It's that this is one of the problems with the trade deadline um, that people mentioned that with the trade deadline, there's a uh, uh, no team is really out of it. Obviously my team is, and they stupidly want to trade for a sexual predator, but uh, it's hard to, it's hard to like, it, like Adam Beasley made this point. How can you look at a team full of veterans in your locker room? Let's say you're three and four, right? Cause like some teams have had their bye weeks How can you look at a three and four team and say, hey, we're going to sell off some pieces to prepare for the future? What the Broncos did was very unique. But for a lot of teams, it's going to be hard to do that because only like a handful of teams are truly, truly eliminated right now. Yeah, you're right. There's only a handful that are like 
usually say that are out, like, for example, the uh, let's go by division. I can't see anyone in the NFC North is truly out. The South, obviously, of the Jags and the Texans. I put the Colts kind of on the brink of that. Uh, with the East, I'm going to go Jets, and sorry, I'm going to say Dolphins. The AFC West, there's no one really, like, that's set in stone for it. And then, obviously, the a- NFC North, the three – I can already say three teams. That will, I can see three or four not making it. The South, Atlanta, the East, I can see only one making the playoffs. And then the West, there's no one. So, there's still – you're right, there's only a handful of teams, so I can say at this moment aren't going to make it. Like, I'd say three or four with the North in the NFC, obviously. But, look, when you look at it, I just don't think Minnesota's going to have what it takes and same with Chicago. You don't think San Francisco is going to have what it is? Is that what you said? No, no. With the North, the West, I still don't oh. know. I'm still standing by my my preseason take that the Seattle Seahawks would miss. Though I'm still standing by that take. It's looking good. <laughs> I mean, I know I know Russ is coming back, but looking good so far. Uh, yeah, no, Chicago. Chicago is going to be inconsistent. They're going to have some games where they win because of their defense. Fields is going to have games. I mean, he looked pretty good yesterday, but he's also just. He's going to have those games where he just looks terrible, like he did against the Bucs. Like, it's not going to be consistent week to week. I don't think you could build a playoff team that way. So, I, I would not – yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. They're not going to have it, in my opinion. No, that's just the thing. They're, like, there's teams where I can't see them having it. And also, too, I like Dan Campbell's fighting spirit, but with Detroit, like, I, Matt Corral is going to look really good in that Detroit line blue come next season. And now I obviously say that because there's a lot of uh, – there is a lot of uh, different obviouses with the Detroit Lions, but look at the end of the day, I just don't think they're ready for anything. Like they're going to get maybe a win or two, but Jared Goff ain't it. We all know that. I think it now it's just getting exposed for what it is. Jared, there were chants. Uh, there were, there were, uh, there were chants. What you call it? There were chants for David Blau yesterday. So. Well, yeah, that's how bad it is. I mean, if there's a point where you feel like you're out of it or you're not going to win, maybe give them a shot. But at the same time, too, you, you can't do that considering how much golf is getting paid. Uh, no, no, you cannot. Absolutely not. No, it's just one of those things. Like you just you could, but at the same time, too, it's just like, do you really want to go down that rabbit hole? And I doubt it. I doubt it if you're the Detroit Lions because you're just going to cause stuff friction with the fan base. From the fan base, I feel like it's time though with them. They understand what's going on. They understand what? They understand what's going on. Like, they know, like, obviously they're used to pain, but they know that, like, look, hey, there's potentially a bait and there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's just how long they're in that tunnel for remains to be seen. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, like, you, you don't – hey, I mean, I was, I was part of a tanking fan base two years ago, and here I am two years later. So, who knows? Exactly. exactly. You're 100% right. Who, who knows at the end of the day? It's just – Shit can go one way, shit can go another way. It just all depends on really uh, how what happens. Oh, sorry, I said to switch to the basketball for a minute because I'm sorry, not sorry, but the Toronto Raptors are getting the dub right now against the uh, New York Knicks. And honestly, you honestly you don't hate to see it. Fuck the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Um, the only other thing I'm going to say before we go, because obviously I have to wrap it up because I have the other commitment that I have to attend to, is the Las Vegas Raiders, I think, deserve credit. And also I'll say this too. I think Derek Carr is there long term now. I don't think there's any, like, this whole Derek Carr stay. Is he going to say, is he going to go kind of questions? 
He has played – he has absolutely played Best well enough. Yeah, no, no, no. There, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, there's no doubt about it. I'm a, I've been a critic in the past, but he's played exceptionally well. Um, per usual with him and with the Raiders as a whole, sustain, sustainability, sustain it all the way to the end. But there's no denying that, that he's, had a, he's had a much better year this year. So, Miguel, if you're listening, I'll admit to that. I, you know what? I will, too. Miguel, a good friend of the show, guest, one-time guest of the show. I'm trying to get him back on at some point, but we'll see where that goes. Um, but, no, also for this, another, one other thing i got to say, too, is our favorite receiver, Michael Pittman Jr., is finally showing out consistently and proving his worth in Indianapolis. You'd love to see it. Proving, proving uh, for friend of the show. Uh, Michael Pittman, we'll get him on the show one day. Uh, number one, number one receiver, uh, playing dominant, drawing and drawing. His, his impact can't just be measured in his receiving yards because he's also drawing all these pass interference calls down the field, which is a big part of their offense. And uh, yeah, he's blossoming into a stud. It's great to see, and excited for our as you started the show with our one day Giants Colts primetime game where we could see him and Daniel Jones in the same game. The fact that Michael Pittman Jr. got his very first touchdown of the year during the Ra- the Ravens Colts primetime game with Danny and I recording live, and I got to re- I got to react live to it made <laughs> my season. I absolutely loved that. <laughs> that was incredible to see. Now, now we just need Jacoby to get his first touchdown. Oh Some- my God! Huh? He got hey, he had a two point conversion yesterday. Saw, He's gonna I get saw, it. I saw the, that. I think it was the game against the Cowboys where. He scored, and there was a penalty on an offensive lineman to wipe it off, or something like that. Oh my God! He'll there get one. It. Oh, he will. There's a couple of predictions I'm going to also take away from. I'm going to say this: I think if they make the playoffs, I think Sean Payton deserves Coach of the Year. Yeah, and I think I and normally we don't give it to the Tomlin, Andy Reid, Belichick types, but I think this year with no Drew Brees, with no Jameis Winston, I think this is the year where he actually could get like the votes for it too. Not just that he deserves it, but that he would actually get meaningful support for it, too. I, I had Brandon Lee. It's just that really is worn off considering that their defense hasn't exactly – they can't play – for some reason, they can't play his defensive scheme, which we're de- – oh, okay, Booker, go, Booker, go, go, go. Big run. Oh, it's coming back. As soon as I see a big run and it's like a flag, you're like, oh, but you, you know it's coming back. Uh, 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 you may be surprised. Oh, oh, what do we got? What do we got? I think the guy on roughing the passer. That's my oh. guess. I haven't. Oh, roughing the passer oh, yeah. on the Chiefs. That's the other I thing I'm going to say too is, man, officiating's been so inconsistent this year that they really have to figure it out. Yeah. No, and they're not even. It's one thing to have bad rules, and it's like, okay, we need to change some of these bad rules, but like the rules are inconsistently applied, and I think that's what makes it so frustrating. Did you see yesterday? Obviously, maybe on Twitter, but the Jerry Tillery hit on Mac Jones yeah. after the whistle was blown dead. Yeah, that was li- literally maybe the worst one of the year. Like, it was that bad. Yeah, like, that right there is, like, wasn't as bad as what Tillery did yesterday. And the fact that he was flexing on it, I was just, like, so pissed off. But that's the other thing I'll say about the Patriots too quickly. They can win ugly football games. It's just, look, they have to do just enough to win. As long as they can play mistake-free football for most of the game, they're good. It's just, man, Belichick just can't bench guys like Kendrick Bourne. Because obviously Kendrick had that bad fumble yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know what Danny Jones there did there. He kind of turtled. Oh, but anyway, folks, uh, like I said, uh, life gets in the way, and I've got somewhere to be. But anyway, we'll be back in three weeks for another Danny Dimes primetime game. We've got some great guests coming up. There are guests this week. That is right. 
not just myself like last week because I forgot to book people. But coming up this Thursday, Phil Nightmare 10 is going to be on with me. Get you ready for the whole week. Next week, I have Matt Beast, Andy McNamara, and Pat Lane all coming on for a Patriots halfway preview. And Matt will preview all of the following week, week 10, which it sounds scary to say that, but he'll be here for that. And, oh, I was hoping, oh, can we get it? Can we get it? No, we can't get a Danny Jones primetime play. And plus two for next week's Patriots-Browns game. Andy McNamara and I will be there to preview that. So we got a lot of action. And Big Rat, one more question before you go. Thursday night, Jets, Colts, give me a prediction. Colts. Uh, Colts solidly. I think uh, White uh, comes back to earth a little bit, although still, like, plays respectably well. I'll say plays better than Zach Wilson again, but worse than he did this past week as the Colts win. And uh, we'll see what we'll see who's the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins this week because I do not know the answer to that question. Hope we'll to see find what, out within a day. We'll see what happens. So, like, there wasn't obviously any trades. I don't think that went down since then because I, I haven't really been on Twitter since I started recording, but I feel like no. nothing really I, – I feel like you're – like. The NFL trade deadline is almost like the only active ones really are, I would say, baseballs, NBAs in certain situations, and then NHL. Besides that, though, like football, there's never really an active trade market until the offseason. Yeah, I would usually I would say, yeah, nothing's going to happen. This Watson thing, it's just I have no clue. And to be honest, like to everyone listening, even though I don't want him while he has these charges and I'm going to have to deal with that as a fan, how I interact with that. More than anything, I just want this to end. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the weekly reports. Hopefully, tomorrow, 4 p.m., it comes and goes. And at least we can stop having to talk about this every week in Dolphins media. So that's what I'm looking forward to. The end of the drama behind this more than the actual result. So that'll be fun. For your own sake and sanity, that's what I hope we get. I just think, I think, honestly, if there was a trade done, I think it would have happened by now. I doubt they would be waiting for the deadline. That's that. That is just me, though. As I'm trying to prolong this, as hopefully he can. Oh, no, he fell short. But I can still. Uh, I think you have to take the points here if you're the Giants. Take the points if you're the Giants. Well, anyway, folks, like I said, we wrapped it up. We're all ready for the next week. This has been episode number 124 YWC Football Talk. Have a great one, guys, and enjoy the rest of the Monday Night Football game. But obviously, by the time you're listening to this, and by the time this is up, that game will be over. Have a good one, everybody. Do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne iveson from iveson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. 
Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, SayTheDamnScore.com.